Maya Angelou, a poet, writer, and actress, was a black woman who grew up in the Jim Crow American South. As a young girl, she spent her time reading every book in her town's library. And when she came across a sonnet, she realized that it, quote, expressed so fiercely what she felt inside, end quote, that she thought it had to have been written by a black girl. This sonnet was actually one of Shakespeare's works, Sonnet 29. And when she discovered this, she felt she had to hide the fact that she really loved Shakespeare, a white man, from her family who would strongly disapprove, an experience she writes about in her memoir, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. In 2013, Maya Angelou, then 84 years old, talked about her experience with Shakespeare during a lecture at Randolph College in Virginia, explaining how his writings, quote, voice an experience so universal that it speaks truth to power for a poor black girl living in the South, end quote. Angelo's message at this conference was that, quote, there is more in poetry and by extension all art that unites than divides us, end quote. Shakespeare, a long dead white man, wrote something that made a young, abused black girl not feel so alone. Angelo emphasizes this point, saying, quote, the poetry you read has been written for you, each of you, end quote. Despite having to secretly read and love the works of a white man, Angelo felt represented and even felt like Shakespeare wrote this sonnet specifically for her. In our culture today, we have become more aware of the very real issue of racial segregation and discrimination that is present in our lives. It has sparked numerous debates over how we are and have been treating our black neighbors. It is vitally important in our world and culture to read about and discuss these issues, especially as Christians. As Christians, we should desire to love our neighbor, and a major step in this direction is to be able to have conversations with our neighbors about difficult themes. These conversations first come through reading texts that have elements of racism, prejudice, and bias, as well as addressing them together, whether that be in our classrooms, at home around the dinner table, a book club with neighbors, or even just hanging out with friends. If we decide not to address them, or even not to read these controversial texts at all, we lose out on the benefits that come from being open, honest, and unafraid of these difficult discussions. Before diving further into this issue, I'll first define the terms racism and otherness, which I'll use throughout this presentation. Racism is defined as, quote, prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular <coughs> racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized, end quote, as according to the Oxford Dictionary. Otherness is defined in the Oxford Dictionary as, quote, the quality or fact of being different, end quote. This idea of otherness is commonly involved in Othello, often as an insult to those who seemed inferior to others. Scholars have and continue to debate whether Shakespeare's works are racist or racially progressive, and whether his plays even have racism in them. There are many different views and opinions over this topic, and no definitive answer has been reached. Professors, students, scholars, writers, and many others struggle over the issue of race in Shakespeare and fail to agree on any one answer. However, the racism is explicitly present in at least two of Shakespeare's works, The Merchant of Venice and Othello. These two plays are the focus of my capstone. In my paper, I break down each play, using quotes from the text as evidence of the racism in these plays. I then dive further into this evidence throughout my proofs with detailed quotes both from the plays themselves and the sources I've read. For this presentation, I'll summarize both plays, followed by a brief overview of each of my proofs. Othello is about a black general named Othello who, after appointing his friend Cassio to the position of lieutenant, 
finds himself in a perilous position. One of the men under him, Iago, thought that he deserved this promotion and loathed Othello for not giving it to him. This hatred is spurred by the fact that Othello is a black man who is in love with a beautiful white woman named Desdemona. Iago hatches a plan to ruin Othello and Cassio by turning them against each other. He tricks Othello into thinking that Desdemona and Cassio are having an affair. Though this claim wasn't true, Othello's jealousy and insecurity over his race, which the others berate him for, took over and he is driven insane, killing Desdemona and then himself. The Merchant of Venice is about a wealthy merchant, Antonio, and his friend Bassanio, who is in debt to a Jewish moneylender named Shylock. Bassanio desires to court a wealthy woman named Portia, but he does not have the money, so he asks Antonio for help. Shylock doesn't like Antonio, as the latter is horrible to him, and when Antonio borrows money from him, he forces Antonio to sign a contract. This contract states that if Antonio fails to pay Shylock before the allotted time was up, Shylock could take a pound of his flesh. Antonio fails to pay him back in time, but before the contract is upheld, Portia, now Bassanio's wife, shows up dressed as a lawyer and through some wit and quick thinking, frees Antonio from his debt and ruins and humiliates Shylock. Portia, Bassanio, Antonio, and other Christians went off laughing at their good fortune while Shylock was left in distress and despair. My first proof evaluates the racism in Shakespeare's culture and his works. The time period and culture that Shakespeare was writing in was when England started to become more involved in the transatlantic slave trade and race became a sort of fashion for the British. Nobles would wear black face to parties and the rich would often paint themselves black and call themselves black moors. The African people taken and sold in England were often seen as trophies, symbols of wealth and prosperity. During this time, there was also a major prejudice against Jews. The prejudice and paranoia against the Jews revolved mostly around the way the Jews are portrayed as, quote, circumcisers and emasculators of Christian men and as seducers of Christian women and as poisoners, usurers and host desecrators, end quote. This portrayal and the gruesome stories told caused fear and paranoia amongst the Brits towards the Jews and resulted in anti-Semitic views. In Othello, we see racism simply in the way that Othello is treated. When telling Brabantio of his daughter's marriage to Othello, Rodrigo says, quote, transported with no worse nor better guard, but with a knave of common hire, a gondolier, to the gross clasps of a lascivious moor, end quote. We also see other characters using racial slurs against him, most of which describe Othello as an animal or a beast. In the very first scene of the play, Iago likens Othello to a horse, saying to Brabantio, quote, you'll have your daughter covered with a Barbary horse, You'll have your nephews nay to you. You'll have coursers for cousins and genets for Germans, end quote. This kind of language shows us that from the very beginning of the play, the white characters define Othello as an other. In The Merchant of Venice, we see heavy evidence of anti-Semitism from almost the very start of the play. We see racial slurs and insults used against Shylock for the entirety of the play, and we see Shylock use this bias as a justification for his own sins against the Christians. He says about Antonio, quote, I hate him for he is a Christian. He hates our sacred nation and he rails. Even there where merchants most do congregate on me, my bargains and my well-won thrift, end quote. At the end of the play, Shylock's whole life is torn apart as the Christians manipulate, humiliate and bankrupt him, going so far as to force him to renounce Judaism and become a Christian. 
From these few examples alone, the blatant prejudice and anti-Semitism in this play is clear and obvious. My second proof focused on the racism in comedies and tragedies. In comedies like The Merchant of Venice, the Christians, the heroes of the story, look down on Shylock, the villain, calling him horrible names and treating him like an animal. We want to be like the heroes. We want to emulate and imitate them. And this draws divisions between those represented as heroes and those represented as villains. Raul Perez, an assistant professor in the Department of Sociology and Criminology at the University of Denver, writes that, quote, jokes targeting racial and ethnic others as stupid, buffoonish, dangerous, inferior, and so on, help facilitate social bonding practices among in-group members, which in turn can reproduce an ethnocentric worldview, end quote. People tend to underestimate the power that humor has, especially racist humor, which is why it is crucial to analyze comedies and the humor in them when interacting with these plays. Shakespearean tragedies are centered around a great man and his downfall, called the tragic hero. Tragic heroes are typically good and powerful men who have one fatal flaw, which ultimately leads to their unfortunate and calamitous end. Shakespeare's Othello is unique in that it is the only one of Shakespeare's tragedies that has a black man as the tragic hero. Othello's downfall is perpetuated by the constant racism he endures, and it impacts him so much that he starts believing and using the racial slurs against himself. This makes us feel sorry for Othello as we see the mental anguish that the racism causes him, how his skin color is one of the reasons why he believed that Desdemona had been unfaithful to him. Unlike comedies like The Merchant of Venice, this kind of racism was not intended for laughter, but rather to cause us to empathize with Othello. The racism in these tragic plays should not be ignored. However, we should engage with them in order to help us see how our treatment of other people affects them. My final proof focuses on two benefits we receive from reading Shakespeare's plays. One of these is that it opens the door to have these good and difficult conversations. In my 11th and 12th grade years, my class read Othello and The Merchant of Venice, respectively. We talked about the anti-Semitism against Shylock, the racism against Othello, and we even talked about why these texts are important to read. These are just a few of the conversations that reading these texts have started for me, and there are so many more to be had. These themes need to be talked about. They need to be discussed. And Shakespeare's plays allow us to do so while also remaining important works of literature. Another benefit is it helps us think about things in a new way. Reading Shakespeare shows us a perspective which no one today can replicate. Shakespeare lived in a certain time, place, and culture. He had a unique perspective on the world and people, and reading his plays gives us insight into that perspective. His views may not be right, and you might completely disagree with everything he writes about, but there's still a benefit to listening to the other side of the story. Shakespeare wrote beautiful tragedies about how one flaw can prove to be fatal. He wrote comedies that are lighthearted and whimsical. If we ignore or eliminate his works, we would not only lose beautiful plays, but also a perspective unique to Shakespeare, which is brought out in his works. Though Shakespeare's plays do include themes about race and prejudice, some argue that Shakespeare is not racially diverse enough in his texts for us to be teaching his works to modern day high schoolers. This is an increasingly prevalent idea in today's public school systems. Shakespeare is a part of the Common Core English Language Art Standards for high schools in American schools. However, some teachers are advocating for the removal of Shakespeare from the curriculum entirely. Dana Dusbieber, a high school English teacher, takes this side in an article she wrote published in the Washington Post. 
She writes that she does not like Shakespeare because, quote, there is a world of really exciting literature out there that better speaks to the needs of my ethnically diverse and wonderfully curious modern day students, end quote. This is a concern that several other English teachers have. Because Shakespeare was a white man living in the late 16th and early 17th century England, his works are not relevant enough in today's culture for us to continue requiring high school students to read them. Christina Torres, an eighth grade English teacher, wrote about this in an article published in the Education Week website. In this article, she says, quote, my kids deserve to study stories that represent and validate their experiences and cultures, something I know is important for their development. Questioning how well Shakespeare serves that goal is crucial, especially considering that some of his stories perpetuate problematic and outdated ideas about gender roles in historically oppressed cultures, end quote. I do think there is truth in this argument. In our culture now, I think it's crucial for us to read, study, and discuss works by different authors from diverse backgrounds in varying time periods. Furthermore, I also agree that we should not be teaching our children that Shakespeare is inherently good, as some may believe. Shakespeare was not a perfect man. His writings are not perfect. The racism in Othello and The Merchant of Venice are only two examples of issues within his plays, and it's important for us to recognize these problems and address them appropriately. Yet I argue that this is not a sufficient reason to completely eliminate Shakespeare from the classroom. On the contrary, I believe this makes it even more important for students to read and discuss Shakespeare's texts. For instance, reading Othello in the classroom opens up a whole world of opportunity to talk about both the history of racism and the racism in our culture now. The Merchant of Venice provides us with the ability to discuss prejudice, anti-Semitism, and bias, as well as the effects of mistreating people around us. Although these conversations can be introduced through other texts as well, reading Shakespeare, as previously discussed, has incredible benefits that we would be depriving our teenagers of if we remove Shakespeare from schools entirely. The ability to understand the language Shakespeare uses and appreciate the beauty in his plays, while still being able to identify themes that are problematic, are skills that every high school student should learn and learn well. If we eliminate Shakespeare from our schools, our students would be cheated of the opportunity to read famous, beautiful, and foundational plays, as well as learning how to take these works and discuss both the good and the problematic within them. In conclusion, Shakespeare's plays should not be ignored, overlooked, or taken lightly. We should not remove him from classrooms, and we should not remove him from our lives. Though he was a white man living in the small world of 16th, 17th century England, Shakespeare's works are still beautiful and open up a world of opportunity to have discussions with people and students about diversity, racism, prejudice, and numerous other topics. Maya Angelou felt heard for the first time after reading Shakespeare. Her story is only one of many accounts from people of different ages, races, backgrounds, and circumstances. Shakespeare has changed many lives. If she, as a young black girl, felt heard by Shakespeare and went on to become one of the most influential American authors, who else could be affected and inspired by his works?